Welcome to Dire Trip, where we deep dive into all sorts of spooky, horrific, or just plain weird crimes, lawsuits, and strange happenings all over the world. Without further ado, let's get into today's story. Hey everybody, you know what time it is. Every month I come across quite a bit of weird crimes while researching my other cases. So here's a compilation of some pretty recent, weird, and bizarre, and kind of dark crimes that I've come across this month. Enjoy! Before we get started, I want to give a shout out to today's sponsor, Scentbird. Scentbird is a service I've really come to enjoy. I've been getting their fragrances every month for a while now. Scentbird is a service that sends you scents like these each month. Scentbird is really changing the game when it comes to how people shop for and discover new fragrances. It's great to give yourself a little more individuality and find something that really suits you. Scentbird lets you choose a new designer fragrance to try each and every month for just $17. You can pick out what you want each month as well. They offer all sorts of perfumes, colognes, and even a lot of unisex options. You'll get a month's supply of each one, so you can try out a bunch without committing to a huge bottle that could cost around 300 to 500 bucks at the store. You've got famous brands here like Prada, Gucci, Versace, and even a lot of indie labels like Skylar, Heretic, and Confessions of Rebel. This month I got Low Rave by Sisley, 20 GMT by Unwind, and Thirst Trap by Confessions of Rebel. Out of these three, I'd have to say that I like Thirst Trap the most. This one smells like something that fits me personally, like something I would just naturally wear. It's hard to explain why, but it really clicks. Why don't you try it out and see which ones you're into? If you've got no ideas, you can even find your scent by taking a simple quiz on Scentbird. It'll give you a good match for you based on your results, something you can make your own thing. Hop on and use my code DIRETRIP4 to get a solid 55% off your first month at Scentbird. Using my promo code, it's only a little bit over $7. Give it a look. Here we've got Man Fakes Down Syndrome Dupes Caregivers into Changing His Diapers. Here we have the case of a man out in Gilbert, Arizona, who was charged with multiple counts of sex abuse and fraud after he pulled a stunt that would leave most people disgusted and others scratching their heads, but probably both. This is the case of a man named Paul Menshak, 31 years old at the time of his offense, that pretended to have Down syndrome in order to hire female caregivers, poo himself, and force them to change his diapers and bathe him. The man has at least four victims that we know of by this point, but it's very possible that there were more. The women who came forward said that Paul would often visibly get aroused while they would clean him up and give him a bath after his shenanigans. Paul mainly hired these women using various online resources to find local caregivers, usually posing as his mother to do so. He would communicate with potential caregivers over text using a fake name and get them to pick him up at various locations around town. Paul ended up getting help from one of the caregivers at least 30 separate times in the East Valley area over the course of one summer. During many of these occasions, he would often insist that his man bits weren't clean enough and that the caregiver was going to have to give it a little more elbow grease. Afterwards, Paul would end up changing hands, ending up with a second and third victim later on in the summer. All three of the victims knew each other, and all three would talk about how strange he was and how often he would get excited during their visits. One victim told local news outlets that Paul acted very childlike while around her. Another victim concluded that this particular personality trait was probably related to his disability, and at the time, they decided to brush it off. Another caregiver, who very reasonably wanted to remain anonymous, said, He needed shower and grooming. He couldn't use the bathroom himself. He couldn't really be alone by himself. 
He acted like a child, his whole demeanor was childlike. He would act in tantrums, talk like a child, act like a child. Why would you do that? Why would you make us change you knowing that you didn't have to? Why didn't you give us a choice? After a while, the original caregiver started getting pretty suspicious of Paul's antics and decided to follow him home when he was dropped off by another caregiver. She knocked on the door, coming face to face with Paul's parents, only to find out that no, he didn't have Down syndrome and he didn't need to wear diapers at all. They informed her that their son was perfectly capable of taking care of himself. Paul ended up being arrested. He was actually working for a local school district, I feel like this is becoming a pattern, until he resigned when all of this came to light. When appearing before a judge, Paul said that he did at least have a low IQ level and that his parents would have the documentation to prove that. He also promised that he was seeking counseling, but it's unknown if he actually did. Once all of this came out, the fourth victim came forward, telling similar stories to what the other caregivers told in the media. Her account of events was similar to the others and occurred within the same time frame. After a few years of trials and hearings, it seems that Paul has ended up with a slap on the wrist, only seeming to have gotten probation and time served. So here we've got, Florida woman dislocates 10-year-old son's jaw because he wouldn't stop playing Fortnite. So here we have yet another Fortnite-related crime. I wonder if we can keep the streak going with one Fortnite-related crime every month. I guess we'll have to see. Anyway, this is a case that came from out in South Daytona, Florida, in which a woman allegedly decked her son in the face and dislocated his jaw when he refused to stop playing Fortnite one night. One Wednesday night, Anne Perugia, a 35-year-old woman, told her son to call it quits on Fortnite for the night and go take a shower at around 5 p.m. Her son, only 10 years old, later said himself that he forgot to do what his mom had told him. Anne's story differed quite a bit. She said that she told him to stop playing and go take a shower, and he simply continued playing for 10 more minutes. She said that she then asked him once again to go take a shower, to which he responded, no. A press release said, He got up and started toward the bathroom, and that is when his mother got irate and charged into the bathroom. When the two got into the bathroom, he stated she punched him with a closed fist in the jaw. The police report said that not only was the son's jaw dislocated, but that his mother had also scratched him in various spots. After Anne punched her son in the face, she then called his father, Brian Butler, who didn't live with them. She told him to come take his son and go away. Brian, as you might expect, was not exactly happy that she had just punched their son in the face and declared that he was going to press charges against her. When the police were called, Anne confirmed that the two did indeed have an argument about Fortnite, but neglected to mention anything about punching the boy. The son then told his mother, I hate you and you don't do anything for me. Anne then relented a bit and told the police that, alright, she did grab her son by his arm and take him back inside the house, but that was all when it came to anything physical. Given the dislocated jaw, nobody was really buying it. The police report detailed, The child also had scratches around his body that were caused by the mother. This malicious act also caused her son unjustifiable pain and injury. This act has no valid reason to subject the child to that kind of punishment for failing to listen to his mother. Anne was arrested and taken into jail without much of a fight. She got slapped with charges of aggravated child abuse with physical injury. She paid bail pretty quickly and got out to await trial. The boy's father doesn't have custody, so he's staying with his aunt for the time being. Now we've got... Florida girl, 12, steals dad's car and takes 14-year-old friend to meet online predator. Well, we might as well keep the Florida cases going. 
Here we have a very strange, very unusual story in which two very young girls decide to jack a car and go on a road trip for very concerning reasons. Protecting the identities of the girls, I'll just refer to them as Girl A and Girl B. Girl A was 12 years old. Her friend, Girl B, was a couple of years older, clocking in at 14 to be exact. Both of the girls were recently reported missing when Girl A decided to hop into her parents' Ford Taurus and go off to pick up her friend and the two drove out of state. It seemed that the two were going on a multi-hundred mile trip out to Louisiana to meet a man that they were both talking to online, someone believed to be a predator. Needless to say, this immediately kick-started a massive search across both areas in order to stop the girls before they met this man or, hell, even ran over someone or crashed the car along the way. The two were last seen around Main Street and County Road 237 in Lake Butler shortly after meeting up. They triggered a missing child alert in the area, blowing up everyone's phones, and even ended up being shown on billboards and news stations all over each of the states along their path. Girl A ended up driving her parents' car all the way out to Mobile, Alabama, about five hours away from where they started. Toward the end of their journey, they stopped at a convenience store to stock up and saw their faces on the news on the television behind the desk. It was then that they decided to voluntarily turn themselves into the police. The police, after talking to them, concluded that nobody had accompanied them on their trip and that they left their homes of their own volition. The FBI has since gotten involved and is now starting an investigation into the man that the two were intending to meet, believing him to be a particularly dangerous individual. Luckily, the two girls were returned to their parents in Florida without issue. Neither of them had been harmed in any way. The police urged their parents, and really all parents in general, to more closely monitor their child's online activity, noting that sex trafficking is becoming a pretty big problem, especially in that area. In fact, the FBI still believes their person of interest to be a trafficker, although it isn't positive at this time. But I think it's safe to say that any grown man trying to meet a 12-year-old and a 14-year-old off the internet probably doesn't have the best intentions. Here's an odd one. Navy Sailor, 29, and her boyfriend, 25, baited thieves by leaving bicycles in their front yard only to beat them with aluminum baseball bats and post videos of the assaults to YouTube. Here's a vigilante justice case that I'm sure is going to be pretty controversial in the comments. We've got a strange case in which a couple out in California were arrested after a string of very similar assault cases in which would-be thieves were baited into showing up to their home only to be beaten with baseball bats. Corey Kernut, a 25-year-old man, and Savannah Grillo, 29, had recently been the victims of a few car break-ins near their home. This was when they decided to perform a little bit of vigilante justice and take the law into their own hands. According to neighbors, they had said, Well, screw this, we're going to take the neighborhood, we're not going to let them take us. In order to lure some potential thieves back to their home, they left some bicycles unattended in their front yard. It didn't take long for some hooligans to show up and try to steal them. Corey and Savannah, for reasons unknown, decided to film their street justice for none other than YouTube, actually. In one video, a man attempts to take a bike from the front yard only for another man, likely Corey, to emerge from the shadows, shirtless for some reason, and carrying a baseball bat. He then took off, chasing after the thief. Police, speaking of the video, said, They're running down the street, yelling, getting into a fight in the middle of the night, which would obviously wake the neighbors up. The police were eventually notified to their YouTube videos and didn't really have any choice but to go and investigate. The police showed up to their home and arrested the two on numerous assault with a deadly weapon and conspiracy charges. The YouTube videos, after leading to their arrest, have since been taken down. 
According to the police, each of the would-be thieves were left with injuries, but they weren't life-threatening after being kerbonked with the bats. A police statement says, In the videos, it appears as if the suspects planted a bicycle in the front yard of their residence, unsecured, and waited for someone to try and steal the bicycle. Once someone tried to steal the bike, the suspects would rush from the house and assault the individual with a baseball bat. Four bonkies have been identified to date, but it's likely there are much more out there, given that a criminal would not willingly go to the police in this sort of situation. Notifying the police about their assaults would require them opening up that they were attempting to steal. Honestly, I'm surprised any of them went forward at all. Neighbors in the area have said that they were initially fine with the scheme until it started getting out of hand when more and more victims started getting involved. Both of them were booked into the Tulare County Jail and now face four counts of assault with a deadly weapon and conspiracy charges. They both later bailed themselves out and moved out of their home. Since then, no more thefts have taken place in the neighborhood. Now let's check out Influencer and partner who believe in feeding on sunlight are arrested after their month-old baby dies of prolonged starvation. Two parents of a newborn baby were recently detained out in Russia after some bizarre claims came to light. These two were social media influencers, seemingly just some regular health enthusiasts on the surface, but things were much more strange when you dug a little bit deeper. Some of their viewers claimed that their baby had died because the two were firm believers in a new trend, feeding on sunlight. This child was born in his parents' home, not having been seen by doctors. He was only around one month old when his parents rushed him to the hospital. Unfortunately, he didn't make it, passing away along the way. It has been said that he suffered from both pneumonia and emaciation after a prolonged period of starvation. News outlets speaking of the death said, The preliminary version of the infant's death is severe exhaustion, that the blogger tried to instill his nutrition system in the baby. The Russian investigative committee has since launched a criminal case against the couple and the more specific circumstances surrounding the death are being investigated. Their apartment has also since been searched. The mother, Oksana Miranova, a 33-year-old influencer, is now under investigation for causing death by negligence. Maxim Muti, her partner, has been dubbed a propagandist of raw food. He is a 43-year-old self-proclaimed radical raw foodist. It seems he normally worked as a lifestyle trainer, teaching methods of cleansing the body. People have described him as being a master of working with the body and consciousness, saying that he often healed his clients. He's nothing short of a strange man, though. His social media is full of weird claims, such as the claim that 3D printers have been around since the 1800s in secret use. He, of course, is what they call a breatharian, someone who believes that he can sustain purely on air and sunlight, all without food and water. Atrocity Guide made a very informative video on this strange trend if you want to hear more about it in depth. The two had founded a club together that they called The Living Man and vowed to help Russians sort out their personal problems and improve upon their health. It seems that they forced their beliefs upon their kid as well, forcing him to partake in a diet where he would go without food or water for long periods of time and only feed on sunlight. Oksana and her family have said that Maxim was running a sect and that he was the one who forced her into going along with all of this. It's unknown if there's truth to this claim or if they're just trying to deflect as much blame as possible. The mother, for the time being, has been put under house arrest for two months. Seeing her lighter sentence, the police may believe that she actually was forced into this. The father, Maxim, was detained later, separately for resisting the police initially. He had posted a video in which he was driving at 224 kilometers an hour, far and above the speed limit. He's now being charged with a few counts of torture. 
Now, hospital worker uses COVID-19 patient's bank card for snacks minutes after woman's death. Here's a good rage fuel case for those of you who are into that sort of thing. A hospital staff member out in England was working out in the COVID ward at Heartlands Hospital in Birmingham when she allegedly took the debit card of an elderly patient who had just died and used it to go and buy herself some snacks. The 83-year-old woman had just passed away at about 1.56 p.m. Security footage taken from the hospital hallways showed 23-year-old Aisha Basharat using her card to buy snacks from a vending machine just 17 minutes later, buying about six pounds, the, the money kind of pounds, worth of chips, candy, and coke. Not getting her fill, she popped back over to the vending machines later that evening and spent another one pound. Not getting caught, probably getting a little cocky, Aisha decided to use the victim's card during her next shift about four days later. By that time, her family had noticed that something was up and cancelled the card. The police were called and Aisha was arrested at the hospital that very day. Aisha told the police that, at first, she had found the card on the ground and it had gotten mixed up with her own card somewhere along the way. I know a lot of you were asking, does she not know what her own card looks like? And yeah, the police felt the same way. They pointed out that the cards were completely different colors and that it was very apparent, even at the most cursory glance, that they were not the same. Not only was this against hospital protocol involving patient property, but it was very clearly a crime, despite her only having spent the equivalent of a few dollars. After a little pushing, Aisha admitted to what she had done. Another member of the hospital staff spoke out to news outlets shortly after all of this came to light, saying that the proper steps had now been taken to support the patient's family, adding, the Trust has fully supported the police with their investigation, and as a result of Ms. Basharat's conviction, the Trust will now proceed with our internal HR processes, with due consideration given to the criminal conviction that Ms. Basharat has received. Aisha Basharat pled guilty to theft and fraud by false representation, according to the police. Initially, she was looking at five months in jail, but she ended up only getting a suspended sentence for 18 months. A detective at the West Midlands Police Department spoke out about the sentencing, saying, this was an abhorrent breach of trust and distressing for the victim's family. They were having to come to terms with death of a loved one from COVID when they found the bank card was missing. And then, of course, the realization that the card was taken by someone who should have been caring for her. Now let's look at woman sentenced to eight years after beating her own face with a hammer and blaming it on an Asian grooming gang. So let's just keep the rage feel going today. Here we have an extraordinarily weird case in which a woman named Eleanor Williams, a 22-year-old out in Barrow-in-Furness, a town in England, was sentenced to eight and a half years in prison after she was caught beating herself in the face with a hammer in order to frame what she called an Asian grooming gang. Now, Eleanor was no stranger to making false accusations and ruining lives in the past. She had accused at least five different men of forcing themselves on her in the past, leading to one attempting to take his own life and several others with their lives in ruin. She was only 16 years old when she made her first false accusation, claiming that a boy had forced himself on her at a party out in Barrow one night. A few years later, she was working at Manhattan's nightclub and claimed that yet another man had done the same to her both at work one time and again at her home after she returned from a late shift. Her accusations led to a few of the men to attempt to take their own lives when everyone they knew turned against them and refused to believe that they hadn't actually done anything. In May of 2020, Eleanor decided to compile a fat list of her accusations into one big Facebook post. She included some very gruesome images of her head, which I can't show here, but believe me when I say that her face was absolutely in tatters. 
The post ended up getting shared over a hundred thousand times, sparking outrage on a national scale. This outrage even led to full-scale violent racial protests in her hometown. You see, Eleanor would often accuse men of Middle Eastern and Asian descent. She said that a gang of these men had been grooming her since she was a preteen, forcing her to engage in perverse acts at parties all over the north of England and Ibiza. She even claimed that she was once sold as a slave while out in Amsterdam. One of the men she accused of these crimes, a guy named Mohammed Ramzan, told the court that his life had been hell on earth after Eleanor's false accusations. Breaking out into sobs in the court, he told them about how he felt he was left with no choice but to end his life after it all came to ruin. Not only did he end up in jail as a result of her accusations, his home and business were ransacked in the resulting protests. He said that he received messages from people threatening to force themselves on his wife in front of him in the same way that he did to Eleanor. They wished death on him and even on his kids. Even more threatened to burn his house down as well as his place of work. Even his rental properties that he owned but didn't live in were sacked. After a while, Eleanor's claims were able to be debunked after surveillance footage showed that her recollection of events simply didn't add up. One video in particular showed Eleanor buying a pack of noodles and one single hammer at a local shop, the same kind that would go on to injure her face. She then went back to a hotel, ate the noodles, and apparently bashed herself in the face with the hammer. Eleanor was arrested. In a letter she sent out to a few judges, she apologized for what she called a few mistakes, explaining that she was, quote, young and confused. Admitting that she had lied indirectly, she said, when I wrote the Facebook post, I never intended causing issues in the community. I am devastated at the consequences it has had on Barrow. I was discharged from the hospital that morning and was in a bad way. I wasn't thinking straight. More of the falsely accused men told the court about how their lives had fallen apart after the allegations. A man named Jordan Trengrove, who was arrested three times due to her lies, said that he had vulgarity spray-painted all over his home and his mom had to flee to live somewhere else because she didn't feel safe there any longer. Another, Oliver Gardner, said, When I was told she was accusing me of that, I felt sick. I had to tell my mom and I started questioning myself, even though I knew I'd done nothing wrong. The prosecutor said that this incident with the hammer would effectively be the finale to years and years of false allegations coming out of her. As the court case went on, Eleanor's claims made less and less sense. The prosecutor pointed out that Eleanor would often simply go on social media and find a list of random names that she would then decide to associate with human traffickers or assailants. She would even make fake accounts to look like the people she would accuse and send messages to herself in order to produce some pretty convincing screenshots. Other times, she would get people she knew to send her messages and edit those messages to appear as if they were from others. After a while, the jury came to see that a lot of the men Eleanor named as assailants didn't even exist. While many of the names she listed were real, a good number of them were completely made up. It came time to sentence Eleanor. Judge Robert Altham told the court that there was no explanation for what she had done and that she showed no significant sign of remorse. The judge said that he personally didn't feel that she was as motivated by race as you might think. He felt that by accusing Middle Eastern, Asian, and some white men that she would gain a lot more attention. A lot of similar cases had recently gained attention in the media, and he felt that she, seeing these, decided that it was the fastest way to gain some attention herself. He did admit, though, that we'll never actually know for sure until she decides to open up about it and explain herself. 
Despite ruining an unknown but significant number of lives, Eleanor Williams was only sentenced to eight and a half years in prison. This was despite the fact that she even went to the lengths of hitting herself in the face with a hammer in order to push her false allegations. Now here's a case that involves a non-violent crime with an animal. Well, violence in the sense of injury, I guess. I can understand that animal-related stuff is a little too much for a lot of people out there. This is the last case I'm going to talk about today, so feel free to duck out if you don't want to hear about it, and thanks for making it this far. So getting on with the story, now we've got Moment Mississippi Woman 19 is arrested over video showing her having intercourse with a dog. As the headline said, a young woman out in Mississippi has recently been arrested after a video that she posted to social media showed her having relations with a dog. Because of this, she's facing up to 10 years in prison. The woman, only 19 years old, is named Denise Frazier. Apparently, she took a video on Snapchat of her crime and sent it to others, which soon started making the rounds among her friends and, after a while, even strangers. One of these concerned strangers sent the video to local police, who investigated and found that the video was indeed real. They found Denise and arrested her on aggravated cruelty charges. Sergeant J.D. Carter of the Jones County Sheriff's Department said, in my 17 years in law enforcement, this is one of the most disturbing cases that I've ever investigated. He continued, reporting, JCSD is in possession of several videos that are so graphic that we are not at liberty to release them or even discuss the particular content. The investigation into this case is far from over. This meant that this hadn't only occurred one time. She had recorded videos of these types of incidents multiple times by this point, although it isn't known if she ever sent any of the other videos out. Surprisingly, Denise admitted that yes, this was her in the videos, and yes, she was doing exactly what she appeared to be doing. She told the police that she had been forced into committing these acts, but police countered, saying that there's absolutely zero evidence that anyone else was involved with these at all. After the claims of threats didn't work, she then told the police instead that people would pay her to make these videos, not exactly helping her case. Sergeant Carter said, We've never dealt with this particular type of case before. There are really no true words to describe it other than disgusting. So right now, we're still in that initial phase, right past the first part of it, but we're still looking into it to see if there's more. He even added that some of the other videos may have been filmed in other counties, which could possibly involve other law enforcement agencies in the end. He went ahead and notified the sheriff's departments in those areas. Denise's dogs, yet plural, unfortunately, were taken from her home by the police and taken to a local animal hospital. One of the dogs was a German Shepherd that Denise had claimed was her support animal. Denise was booked into the Jones County Adult Detention Facility on charges of animal cruelty and unnatural intercourse. Her bond was set for $25,000. She's also been ordered to stay away from animals until after her trial. Her charges could see her ending up with a 10-year prison sentence when all of this is over. Once again, this has been your host, Kyle. Thank you very much for listening to today's podcast episode. Feel free to look through my huge library of other stories if you found this one interesting, and be sure to be there for the next stories that come out each and every week. Have a good night.